Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Strand Tennis Center podcast, filled with tips, advice, tennis, not tennis, just life advice too, whatever you need. Uh, like it on YouTube, share it on uh, the podcast as well. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, I'm, I'm a little down on my energy. I can feel it right now. I got to get juiced up, Santi, for the Strand Tennis Center podcast. I am Steve Capel. I am your host. I'm going to talk a little bit about... Again, this is live. You may hear the phone ring. Sam may have to get up and answer it. We're going <laughs> to, but we are going to interview one of our other associates here as well. This is this is Sam, who is going to go to college next year, and she's been a senior. How long have you been here, Sam? How many years have you been working? Almost three, I think, soon. Almost three. That's great. So that gives you enough sample size to figure out a little bit of the inner workings. But first, you won't have to interject. If you have anything you want to say, I will. I will, uh, I will ask you to interject. But I'm going to go through accountability, Santi, and accountability charts. Does anybody know what accountability chart is? No, I don't know. Okay. Santi, any idea? No. no. Okay. Santi is supposed to be a more <laughs> senior professional. He doesn't know what accountability chart is. So accountability chart is you literally write it out and you put everybody in their role called accountability charts so you put so you have a sheet like this and you write down where everyone should go and where everyone's seat is so you can have account if you don't have an accountability chart in work or even in coaching or in team if you if people if you don't know what role they're supposed to be in and don't put them in the place where they can succeed it's going to be ugly just like your team so you played we'll go we'll go back and forth we won't go through the whole accountability chart yet so you played for Mendham High School right Yes. So you would trust your coach to put people in the right position, right? Yeah. Have you ever had an experience where you're like, I think we're in the wrong positions here through your four years of school? Yeah, when I was a freshman, I lost a challenge match to a senior that I shouldn't have lost to, and we only played one match. So she was placed at second singles, and I was third. And we constantly lost our second singles matches and the first singles matches, too. Eventually, she got injured, and we all moved up one. But they'd always lose that position, and I thought I should have had another chance to challenge her, even though I was a freshman, because we kept losing some of our matches that we probably should have won with losing that one game. There's so many questions to ask on that. Can you... Did you try to talk to the coach? Did you try to bring it up to her? How did you handle that situation? Um, I think we worked it out with her in that I think it worked itself out both because the first the singles and the second singles. They eventually both got injured, and I ended up moving up, and then the whole lineup got moved, so it ended up working out better. Okay, so say you're on, in the wrong seat. No one gets injured. No one gets moved up. How would you handle that situation? You've lost, I don't know, how many matches in a row, whatever it is. What do you, how do you think you handle it? How do you think you bring it up to the coach? I, I would just be straight up, especially with my coach, because she has a good connection with all of us. So I just say like that we personally don't think this is working out as a team because we're losing our matches, and it would be for the benefit for not just one person. It would be beneficial for the whole team if we changed the lineup slightly, maybe even did a challenge match over again, just something. So diplomatic, not too aggressive, I get it. Speaking of the connection part, you said something, she had a good connection with the team. 
How do you think she did that? Why do you think she had a good connection? How could you relate to her? Um, our coach was really young, so she was she'd talk to us all the time, and we'd like make videos on the Instagram with her, and we posted stuff. So it was like she was almost a part of the team. Like plenty of other coaches and other players said, like she was young enough to almost be on the team, and she just got along with us really well. It, there wasn't any disconnect. So she was relatable. Yeah, and she could understand. You guys, so that's empathy. That's a big thing. Empathy is a big thing. We always talk about it. She could understand you, what situation you're in. How much older do you think she was? I mean, how old is she? I think she's 20-something, 30 maybe. And has she been the coach before? How how long was she with the coach before you? How long has she been there? Oh, she, like, just started when I was a freshman, I think. Okay. Um, And uh, did she play tennis before? She said she played tennis in high school. Okay, and we've talked about this before. Some of my greatest coaches didn't play tennis, but they could empathize and understand people and go, okay, this person needs this today. This person needs to be yelled at. This person doesn't. This person needs a pat on the back. And understanding that is a big key. There's some great tennis players that treat everybody the same. And there's a great, a great, I just had a discussion with someone. Treating people the way you would want to be treated, do you think that's a good thing? Yeah. I tricked her. That is actually sometimes not a good thing because I have a major problem with, with, with me. So say I work 80 hours a week, right? And I don't mind working. And I don't mind working all day. And I don't mind, you know, getting home at 11 o'clock at night. So if I treated people the way I would want to be treated, people would leave in about five minutes. So if I said, Sam, you know what? I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. So you work till 10. You get up at 6. And you're going to skip school. And you're going to work all day. And uh, that's how I'm treated. So I'd like you to be treated that way. So that's where it's a little dicey. So it's, it's a great phrase, treat people the way you want to be treated. But we're all different. And that's the issue. So I know that I work harder than everybody else because I'm the owner. And that's fine. But I can't expect people. And this has been, you know... This is, this is going into a good conversation. I can't expect people to behave the way I would behave or to be treated the way I would want to be treated because everyone is different. And some people just want to work 30 hours a week, go hang out with their friends, and that's good enough, right? And just because it's not good enough for me doesn't mean that it's not good enough for five people here and... And that brings us back to the accountability chart. So if I put someone in a role, and I just write it down. I usually write it down in a graph. Accountability chart, this is a little simpler, but these has got names on it, so I won't show you. But accountability chart is usually from the top, and it goes all the way down like this. From the pyramid, who is the leader, and it goes all the way out, right? So if I put someone at the wrong place, so I say, everybody, I want everybody to be treated the way I am. So I put someone in a role where they're going to work 50 hours a week, and it's not what they want. I'm not doing the right thing. So number one, accountability is understanding people, empathy and understanding, okay, this person's in a good role for this. Like perfect example, Sunti is celebrating his one-year reunion here. We had a nice little party for him, or I did. Um, He's been doing a great job. But if I didn't listen to Sunti and I treated him in a certain way and I didn't understand that Sunti is more than just a teacher, he's got a lot of abilities in other places. So if I just kept him teaching on the court, he probably would have been like, eh, I'm a little bored in six months. I'm, I'm not interested. If, if you don't listen and understand where they fall in that chart, 
So you may have an idea where someone will fall, and then you just listen in the next six months. You go, all right, this chart has got to change a little bit. It's always changing because I, I put Santi as associate of pickleball now, right? He's an associate director. He's doing videography. He's teaching tennis. You understand all that. In the first six months, I hired him as what? A tennis pro, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And now he's doing a lot of different things because he has that ability. It's the same. It would be like me telling you, okay, you're going to work with 50-year-old adults, and you have to teach them <laughs> the open stance forehand and make sure that they win their next four or five match. You'd look at me like, I don't think you're a good leader. So I have to put you in the right spot. And once you set the accountability chart, what you need to do is understand what single tasks are and what mutual tasks are. And what does that mean? Does anybody know what that is in that chart? So single task means that you can do it yourself. A mutual task or multitask means that two people can get together in a team and do their job. So some people like to work alone. That's another thing that you have to understand that, well, I'm going to give them more jobs that they can do on their own in a singular fashion and a lot of little tasks. Some people like to work in groups and teams. So you understand what, where they work better in groups and teams. So someone like, you know, who is, who is our office manager, right? Ruth Ann, she likes to work solo, and she does a better job doing it. So if I said, hey, you're working out <laughs> with 12 10-year-olds today, and uh, you're going to enjoy it, it's not going to work. So, and then when you get that chart, when you set it, you finally get people in their right role. What do you think you have to do when you get them in their right role? Come on, Santi, it's a quiz. This is like an interview today. What's the question, sir? <laughs> I didn't hear it. Didn't. I said you get everybody in their right role. Sam's doing her job. Yeah. She's uh, painting all the ceilings. Yeah. She's mopping all the floors. Now she's, do- she's working with the juniors. She's doing a good job. She's teaching them. She's doing great front desk work, all that stuff. She's really – before – before I ask the question again, she's really become a leader in the sense of she'll look at the front desk list and go, this is not being done and this is what we need to do. What? Why do you think that is? Why do you think some people would look at the list and not go, you know, I need to tell everybody they need to do their job and it's important. What makes you, th- what makes you do that? I just don't think some people do what they're capable of. They'll just do what they think they have to do, and that's it. And my dad's a businessman, so he's always taught me, you can always do more. Like when he worked when he was younger, he'd stay and sweep late, and he always got the job. Someone would always tell him, like, oh, we want Joe back because he did this. It's just like people could be doing a better job and doing making it like a better environment that people want to come back to instead of it being all messy and like not working out well. Yeah, that's growing up with someone that runs a business and you understand that it's the presentation that's created, how it is, what makes you go, I have to text the group and tell them they need to do what they want to do. Like what, does it just annoy you that this is not getting done a little bit? Sometimes it happens to me too. I think when I was here all the time and I would spend like almost every day after school here for two hours and on Saturdays all day and now I would always do it and do more and now the people who do it instead of me now, none of them reach that expectation where they just get the baseline things done and I think it's important to get at least the baseline things done before you leave and even other things and not just sit at the front desk on your phone. 
<laughs> That's great. No, look, listen, I agree. And when that happens, so say I'm the boss, which I am, right? And I do this job a certain way, and we talked about this, and they're not doing it the way I want to do it. Is it, my, is it their fault or my fault? I think it's probably your yes. fault. Yes. That's a good one. You know, I, I mean, you're like, <laughs> I better answer this right. Because technically, you're self-motivated a little bit, Sam. I haven't told you, like, what did I really teach you? Did I say to you what those things you just told me, like, do the extra thing. This place has got to be clean. This is. Have I kind of given you these rah-rah speeches at all? No, not really. It's just kind of innate in you, right? Yeah. So it's, that's a hard thing. Like, it's hard to teach you can tell people your vision. You can tell people you what you want, but it's hard. And it's it, it and and if and if that's what I present and they don't get it, it's on me. But at one point, it's on me because I'm just saying I'm not making any changes. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't get it, and they won't get it. So, uh, and I told this to Santi, you don't sell the unsellable, right? If they don't get it, you just go, all right. We just move on and have to make a change. And that's the way it is. You don't go, I can't believe they don't get it. You said it. It's like, it's like anything. It's like, uh, it's like a relationship. It's like you can't understand this, people, this person does the same thing all the time instead of saying, all right, that's enough. And it's my, it's my job to make decisions quickly. The problem is you make a hire and it's your hire. And we've talked about this before. And your ego gets in the way and you go, I can't believe I made a mistake. I, ha- I can't admit that. But... That's what happens. And just like, that's why we have our two associates on, Nora and Sam, because they're exemplary. And, th- and Nora's the same way. She's just, that's why you guys have become close friends, too, because you you're on the same wavelength, and that creates a team. You can tell the accountability chart in that way is set. They're together, they're set, and you guys work together in that motivated way because you're just self-motivated. I haven't even told Nora that, like, Nora, you have to care about the place more than you care about yourself. She just cares, you know, and that's the big thing. And it's just innate. Like I, when I was like you, when I was younger and working, I didn't, no one had to tell me. Like I remember I was working as a short order cook. And at one point, yeah, I was working like something. He wasn't even paying attention to the podcast, Sam. He didn't care. Now he's interested because something ran a restaurant, if you don't know. I was working as a short order cook. I, I said this on the podcast before and there was two, it was a country club. It was like a swim club. And there was two guys that were high school teachers that were working in the summer there. And at one point, they weren't there anymore because they could tell that I was so, like, insane about it being run right. I was the manager of the, the kitchen, so to speak, that they were just like, oh, we're leaving. Right? That's why I know when on Saturday Sam is working, I know I can just leave because you know it's trusted and she's going to do a good job because she cares. So you put people in those accountability charts and, again... My question back to you, once the accountability chart is set, everybody's doing the job they're supposed to do, what do you do in six months? You have to check back because people learn too. Some people learn and can do more things so they can be put higher up in the accountability or some people can't handle it and they might have to be put somewhere else so they can better fit wherever they are to teach people better, to keep it clean and like keep the business running the way it should be. Very true. Very true. And there's one other thing you do is you mix the whole chart up. 
for a short period of time. So when I leave in three weeks and I say, Santi, you have the keys to the place, and what is Santi going to go? He's going to – so when I do that, say I leave in three weeks, which I'm going to, and I'll say, Santi, you have the keys. You're in charge. And what is that – what do you think that's going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> Santi, it's going to make me nervous. Yeah, yeah, I'm asking you. What do you think that's going to do when I give you the keys and say, hey, Santi, uh, I'm leaving for three days. Yeah. Call me if the building burns down. That's yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I just got to, I guess, be more attentive, wake up, get focused, make sure I check on, on things more often rather than just, like, you know, obviously I rely on you and Chris to do a lot of it. Um, just, like, stay on top of everything because while you're not here, it has to run, you know, smoothly. No, no complaints, et cetera. Um, so, yeah. ag agreed, but what I think it's going to do is it's going to show empathy both ways. You're going to sit in that seat and go, wait a minute, I get what Steve's talking about. Yeah. When, you know, when I'm the employee and I say a couple things and I realize, wait, now the buck stops with me, so I have to make all these decisions, I have to do all this, it's a different pressure. And you can realize, like, I don't want that pressure, or I like it. And then I switch it around and say, all right, Sam is going to take your job when I'm gone for three days. You want to flip it all around because it, it creates empathy, but it also creates development and lack of boredom. You can do an accountability chart. You can be great at your job, and the phone's going to ring, Sam. Don't answer it, Sam. Not right now. We'll give you a break. So you don't have to answer it. We want that phone to ring and say, customer service be damned while we do the podcast. Um, <laughs> so my point, what was I? I was in the middle of the accountability chart. We were talking about empathy, switching it around. And I just had a great thought, and I lost it, Sam. So when you flip you the... challenge me. Correct. Challenge others or challenge us oh, no. What I was saying is, no matter... If the accountability chart is set... And you're doing a great job of what you're doing. No matter what, you're going to start to get bored. It doesn't matter if you're – like how many of all these people like uh, – what's the great thing? Uh, like uh, Nick Saban. You know who Nick Saban is? Coach for Alabama. No. I was a football coach. He won – I think he won a national championship at LSU. He was a great coach at LSU, right? He's got the world, right? But they can't enjoy it, right? He's got to go to the NFL. It crashes and burns, and he goes to Alabama. It's great. Like – no matter how good you are at your job, there's always some other challenge or something you want. So you can – it's very similar to what Peter Thiel does. He's uh, – not Peter Thiel, uh, Reed Hoffman. He started LinkedIn. It's called Tours of Duty, right? So Tours of Duty are jobs inside of your job. So you have a Tour of Duty for six months. You have a Tour of Duty for six months. Accomplish this goal. It goes into something else. Because inside your job – you need some feelings of accomplishment. And if you, hello, <laughs> and that's our office manager's voice. I feel like I was being yelled at there for a second. So you need those jobs to be a feeling accomplishment, like you've gone somewhere. So in six months, you achieved this, you've gone through it, you've gotten a goal, you've gotten and a reward for it, and then you move on to the other thing. Otherwise, you're on a hamster wheel. You just keep doing the same thing every day, every day, every day, and you're doing it well, but you're like, well, where's the reward? Did you see that voicemail? What was the voicemail, Santi? Water bottle. Water bottle. Ball. See, people call twice for their water bottle. I have, this is a great story. I told you about the story about the book, right? So, the, so there was a grandmother 
that would come in and read her book, very lovely lady, come in and read her book with her grand, grandson or granddaughter. And she'd leave the book here every time. And she would call every time going, that's the most important thing to me in the world. Please put it away. I'm like, you forget it every time. How could it be so important? People will call about the water bottles. They're so important to them, but they always leave them. How many water bottles have we collected, do you think? I don't know. Maybe over a 1,000 at this point. It's got to be a 1,000 water bottles. So inside that accountability chart, you've got it set, and then you need to rotate things around. So in that vein of accountability chart, Sam, what do you think you're best at? What do you think you're good at? And what do you think you need to work on? I'm probably best at a lot of um, front desk duties. And I'd say I'm good at coaching. There's definitely things I need to work on, like feedings definitely struggle. Or even with some of the older kids, like getting them to listen to me because I'm still at a younger age where when they're at like the age of like 13, some of them, they don't want to listen and they have to understand that I'm still a coach, even though I'm not that much older than them. I'm still a coach and I've been playing longer and I need to get them to listen to me and not be afraid to put a foot down and make them listen. So there's a perfect example you said that. So I equate, I don't, I don't think of your real age, I think of your tennis age. It's like dog years. So you may be teaching someone that's only, I don't know, five years younger than you, whatever. But in tennis years, they're two and you're 30. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter how old the, the teacher is. It's how old the knowledge is and how, how much depth of knowledge you have. I've been teaching you forever. I've taught you tons of stuff. You've been teaching for a long time. You've been taking tons of lessons. I told you the the mechanics and the techniques of teaching, you've learned a ton. You've taught for three years. You've taught so many lessons. You've taught more lessons than some people that are 35 years old. So anybody that is nervous out there that is saying, oh, my God, I'm only three years, four years older than them, I tell them right away, you are 20 years older in tennis terms. Even when we get people, even when I, Santi, even Santi who's, you know, I don't even know if we discussed it, who's in his 30s, the same thing. You get someone that's older than you and you think, you know, they're older than me. It doesn't matter. You're wiser in pickle and tennis and all those things. And, that, and that's an observation you get. I'm so used to teaching people that were older than me. It was very surprising when the people were finally younger than me. You know, you're like, oh, they're all older than me. What do I do? And then all of a sudden they're younger than you. And they're like, it's a, it's a big flip, a little observation. So what do you think is the most important quality at the front desk? Receiving a call, receiving people at the strand to have? What's a big quality and a real important trait to have? I think with customers just being personable, you can't just be a machine talking to them. You have to be able to talk to them. And when they ask questions about tennis or what should my kid do, you can make connections with your own life and how maybe they'll make it more personal. And they'll be like, I want to come back to strand because these people are nice. They told me how I should do this. And people end up like liking the workers more. Do you get a reward out of getting somebody in the right spot, helping someone improve, or just helping a customer? Does it make? How does it make you feel when you get, when you accomplish something? 
I'm always curious about the feeling someone gets if they even get someone in the right class. I think it's good. I think there's more of a reward that, or like an accomplishment you feel when you're on the court teaching someone and it's like a little kid and they start out the lesson like not even being able to hit it back and forth with you. And then by the end of the lesson, you guys have a rally or something. I think with the front desk, it's more helping the customers. It's still a reward, but I think there's a certain extent to it. I think eliminating friction, which you do really well at the front desk, is key. In this world, people hate friction. So they want things quickly. They want it done fast. They don't want to wait. And I feel terrible. Like it's something simple. Like when the credit card thing doesn't log in quick enough, it drives you nuts, right? You don't want people to wait because I've always been on the other side. And the way our society is now, it is very difficult to wait. People don't want to. And then you can go into the whole thing of we should appreciate just, you know, who cares if your latte's late? You know what I mean? But we're in a customer service business. We're in the Northeast. It's probably the most competitive, right? Friction is something that people hate. They don't want it. Like, will you ever go online and you have one hoop to go through to buy something? You have two hoops to go through, and I almost just cancel it. I just don't want to deal with it, right? I just That's why Amazon... With one click, no friction, boom, it's – and that's what it is. It's the simplest form, and, and I've seen you go there at work and create no friction and make it easy for the customer. You help them out. We, I did it last night. The customer texted at 1230 at night to the service. Like, it's Santi's like, what? Santi, I'm going to give you the keys soon. You're going to have to handle that. But somebody was in town. NFL draft is this weekend, and – uh wanted to take a clinic and we satisfied them in six hours right and that's the way you do it you say yes no problem and this is the hard thing with a small business and you got to find we're back to the accountability you got to find who's good at that with a small business you need to be able to be human and i was saying about this i go to other companies that have large entities large chains and getting the robotext sucks. You know, you go to the thing and they go, hey, Billy, dot, 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 where have you been? I, I you know, and it's all robo, like we talked about. Uh, uh, that has got to go. I, I don't think it's helpful at all. I think what you should do is monetize that service. All those large companies out there, I'm giving away a free idea. We or a small company, anybody that has a, a thousand locations, monetize that and make it a concierge service. Say, hey, I'm going to charge you 50 bucks a month to talk to a human. Because at this point, there's no humans to talk to anymore. So in that accountability chart, some people are great at that. I love customer service. Some people aren't great at it. Some people are good at just teaching the lesson and doing their job. And if you ask them to do too much, that's upsetting for them. But some are great at just teaching. I asked this question to Nora. How do you handle discipline on the court? What do you think you do? Somebody that's just not listening, somebody that's just not paying attention. It's a lot easier with little kids to just have a sit down with them and explain, like, you can't do this. And some of them, they'll still do it anyways. And it's usually the small threats of, I'll call your mom and that usually gets into their mind because they know their parents discipline them much more than we possibly can. You're so. speaking from experience. My parents used to discipline me too. I get it. I get it. 
No, I, I totally understand. What overall question, then I'll give you some more tactical ones. Being that you're from a family that is an entrepreneur and runs their own business, you've worked for a small business, do you have ideas in the future to say, hey, I think I want to, even, I know you're talking about the medical field and a lot of things, is there any way you're saying, oh, I kind of kind of maybe want to run my own business one day? I think there's a part of me that wants to do it, but at the same time, I think following like a kind of procedure in the me- and like even going into the medical field where I'm doing stuff, I'm not exactly running it. Maybe I will run something that's a business, but mostly just doing things to help people and get satisfaction out of that and just be a part of something rather than being in charge of other people, I think. Kind of like now. So you, what kind of doctor do you want to be? Have you decided? Um, I know I want to be a surgeon. I bounce back between trauma and like cardiac and stuff like that. So part of a group, right? You're part of a large group. There's, a, there's partners and attendings, and you're part of it. You're part of customer service, and you're, you're part of a large group like this. So pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we have enough time, Something We're running up on time. What do we got? Quick pause. Quick. Okay. So it's a great goal to have, Sam. And, and you'll find out what you're good at. You have good self-awareness, and that's the big key. Self-awareness of what you're good at and what you're not good at. And, you know, they always say wisdom to know the difference and, uh, and, and be aware of uh, situations and speak up when you think something is just not right, but do it respectfully like you did with your coach. Uh, Anything else in regards to the job in general? Anything that you think, if somebody wants to start a high school job, how soon should they start working, you think? How, how valuable has work been for you in regards to just discipline? I think it depends on what age you're at to even start working. And I think it, it helps discipline you because I know – at this point, being a senior in high school, that I have a good worth ethic and I don't want to be sitting at home every day over the summer like some people. I'd rather be working and doing things and not being lazy. So I think there's a certain extent you just have to know what you're capable of. And if you want to sit at home in bed all day, it's probably not a good idea to go get a job just because you want to get some money. I It's understandable, but I think there's a certain point where you have to understand like maybe I should start next year when I can have more time and I can dedicate more of myself to a job. Agreed. And that's all self-awareness part. I think a lot of people love the fact of making money. They don't realize um, they have to do a job and you have to enjoy it. And it's, if you're only result oriented, you're going to be really and just in life, you're not going to be able to work as hard as everybody else. You're going to be consider c- counting your dollars and going, listen, we all need to make money. It's not la-la land, but, and we've said this a thousand times, it's indirect to what you're doing. The money is the result of something that you're enjoying doing and you like. And I don't expect every high school kid to go, oh, I'm just doing this because I love it. I don't need the money. Of course we need the money. But if you hated something, you wouldn't do it. If you're like, if you're going to a job and it's boss stinks and this is no fun, you find something else to do. So definitely have to find what sits right for you. 
And on the boss's side, you have to find, again, with the accountability chart where everybody sits. So if you're running a business, start an accountability chart and keep updating it. And, and that's where listening comes in. And set the chart. Write it down. You don't have to show people what it is until you feel like it's set. Then you're going to tell your whole staff where we're headed, where everybody's role is, and that way they know what they're doing. And then do something like I'm going to do with something and all the boys. You switch it around every once in a while to keep people. Because you'll never. It's, it's very similar to tennis. You'll never know. You ever been in a drill group and you go, this person's not going to be able to handle this part. And that's when I end up doing it because they end up handling it. It's really weird. It, they, you go, this person is the weakest link in this group. I better not put them by themselves. And all of a sudden, they win you know, five out of seven points. So if you have the accountability chart or you're worried about switching things around, remember, it can always go back. And you'll be surprised. Somebody will show you something that you never knew that they could do. And then all of a sudden, you have another asset there that you would have never thought you had. So experiment. You have to. We're, we're going to experiment this, this summer, Santi. We'll talk to you in a meeting about it, my friend. Lots of experiments. You too, Sam. You made the cut to associates. Only two high school associates going forward there, Santi. Well done, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Good. Did a good job. Everybody, thank you again. The answers and the actions do something, work out. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you play tennis or get any exercise. Any exercise is good. It will make you happier. You do not need to be sitting down and thinking too much. Take an action. Thanks, everybody. See you. Hey, everybody. Hope you like the podcast. Please share with your friends, anybody that you know, anybody that's into tennis, anybody that's into bettering themselves. Share it.